the latest apps, the World Wide Web. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis here on Radio Live right through till 8 o'clock. Welcome to show number 217. Oh, that might be a prime number. Yes, is that a prime number? I'm just going to ask my technical producer. She knows everything. Yes, says, maybe. 217 prime numbered show. Hey, I would love you to be part of this prime numbered show. Not to be confused with the TV station. I'm so confused. Uh, text me 3920 keyword live. You can tweet me, tweety tweet tweet at Vaughan Davis. I'd love to be part of that corredo with you online. Later on, Mr. Piyush Chandra, initials PC. It's no mistake that he ended up in an IT career with initials like that. He's going to join us to talk about a, uh, well, not a new game, but a classic um, app, a classic um, mobile game that is driving me nuts at the moment and will probably drive you nuts if you uh, get into playing it. We're going to talk about the end of the tape measure. So if tomorrow morning you're getting up and going to work in the tape measure factory... I'm not sure if there are any tape measure factories here in New Zealand. Maybe, maybe not. Well, if there are and you're going to work in one, you need to think very carefully about another career because we've got an app that's going to put an end to that tape measure malarkey. And we've got big news for people like me who like to text a lot on their Android phones. First, though... is a community training network that supports and motivates people age 50 plus to enjoy and use technology in their everyday lives. If you're listening to this, you're probably one of those people. Uh, you, you're probably a little bit more technologically savvy than the average 50 plus year old because you're listening to Sunday Social. But I thought I'd get uh, Grant Sitaway from SeniorNet on the show anyway. Grant, welcome to the show. Thank you. Senior Net, give it, give it to me in a nutshell. What is your reason for being? What do you do there? Well, Senior Net started uh, some 27 years ago now, just from uh, an idea in the United States of America, actually out of San Francisco University, where they conclude, concluded from some research that seniors, people over the age of 50, would be significantly disadvantaged in the upcoming technology age. So they came across an idea of seniors teaching seniors uh, technology and computing skills. And we kind of spotted that idea working really successfully in the States and we brought it to New Zealand in 
and hey, it's a really successful uh, thing that's operating now. And the key to it really has been, and why we've been going for as long as we have, is that people of their own age being taught uh, by people of their own age. So it's, uh, it works really, really well. So, I mean, the, the usual uh, approach to this, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been on the, uh, on the teaching end of this myself, is to, you know, get your son or get your nephew or get, you know, any passing teenager to come in and, and, and do the tech stuff for you. But w- what's wrong with that approach? Well, good luck with that. Uh, sometimes it will work and work really well. But what we have found over the years, and you may have experienced this yourself, is that younger generations are really quick at describing things and skip processes. And I've had it happen to me where my daughter has shown me how to do certain things. And I think, oh, no, I didn't pick that up. Can you show me again? Yeah, sure, Dad, I'll do it again. And does it really quickly. And then I'm embarrassed to say, oh, actually, okay, that's fine. I've got it now, but I actually haven't. So in some cases, younger generations, particularly teenagers, can be really helpful. But mostly we've found working in a really friendly environment with someone of your own age works much better. So give give me the nuts and bolts. How does this tutoring work? You know, where and, and, and how and when does it happen? Well, first of all, we've got over 70 uh, learning centres throughout New Zealand. We call them learning centres. We don't want that uh, uh, to be a put-off to anybody. Look, they're like little schools, really, uh, especially designed for people over the age of 50. The majority of people that go are are well into their 60s and 70s, I might add. And no-one's out to prove anything, but we do run structured sessions, uh, mostly uh, two hours at a time, with a break for a cup of tea in the middle. And and it's people who sit down often on a basis of six, tu- uh, six uh, students and two senior t- uh, tutors. And we run it like a proper little class. And they work through in a step-by-step fashion and they take away their notes and then they come back next week and they learn a bit more. And and that's kind of the, the, the best formula that we've found that works really well. We try to be as sociable as possible in all of our learning centres. We have uh, regular social meetings as well. Get a speaker along to talk to us about upcoming technologies and those sorts of things. But we keep it as friendly and as informal as possible, but in a structured format, if you know what I mean. So the, those these 70 learning centres, that, that kind of blows me away. That's a, that's a heck of a lot of locations around the country. What, what sort of places are they in? Oh, yes. Uh, We like to have uh, our learning centres no more than sort of 20 minutes away from anybody. Uh, I mean, it's quite a stretch because these are all volunteers and uh, we don't get any government funding anymore, I might add. We could come on to that later, perhaps. But uh, we just got to make sure that we're in the community. And most of the learning centres, we we hire facilities, sometimes at quite extortionate commercial rates. Uh, but we want to be in the community. We, wa- we don't want to be remote. We want to be in places where people can get to us quite easily. So if, if, if you're paying to hire facilities, you're not getting government funding, do, do the, the learners, do they, do they pay to take part? How does that work? We try to keep the cost for people to come to our centres to an absolute minimum. Typically, it's about $30 a year to belong to Net, and typically uh, to go to our classes 
on average, it works out about $2.50 an hour. We're not commercial. We're not trying to make money out of people. We're there to help people in the, in the best possible way we can. Hey, look, we've got some really good uh, commercial partners. Uh, Westpac Bank, for example, came on board with us uh, uh, several years ago, and we run, in conjunction with them, uh, uh, banking workshops on how to do online banking, internet banking, and they're really, really successful. So we have got some commercial partners that help us, but mostly we've got to uh, muscle up and, and get on with it ourselves. So banking is one thing that you cover. What are some of the other sort of tech challenges that your over-60s, over-70s face and that you uh, address at SeniorNet? Well, going back to the very beginning, it was just the basics. How do I turn it on and how do I connect it and, and how do I use these programs like Word and really basic things? Today we still do the same introductory courses for anybody who's never touched a computer before and, and that's fine, but it's shifted quite significantly as technology has and a lot of our classes today are around the portable mobile devices and applications like how do I Skype, how do I connect to public Wi-Fi systems. A lot of our work we do is to give people confidence uh, and the security to use the internet uh, so there's a lot of aspects around that. So more and more, we're running workshops on the modern day stuff. When it started out, uh, there was a lot of hand-me-downs that went on from uh, sons and daughters to their parents. And they well, I've had this computer for a few years now. Hey, uh, mum and dad, you have my second-hand one. Well, that doesn't happen as much anymore. People are going out buying their own devices because uh, they're relatively inexpensive. So portable uh, computing and portable technology is, is something we're doing quite a lot of at the moment. So d does that bring its own challenges? I, I was I was trying to think, uh, you know, fast-forwarding 20 years into my future, what sort of technologies, especially the physical aspects, that I might find difficult to use? And one of them was, you know, small portable screens that require quite a lot of dexterity uh, in order to use touch screens. Is, is that an issue? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there is no doubt that uh, the age of uh, portability brings about significant challenges for lots of people, not just older people, but for lots of people. But on the flip side of that, it does present other options that weren't there before, like voice-to-text, being able to speak to your device at pretty reliable and understanding what you're saying, and uh, voice commands are a very popular way around those sorts of things. Yes, for sure, it's a challenge for us in our learning centres from time to time to be able to bridge all of those gaps. But we can only do our best, and for the majority of the time, because it's in a non-stressful environment, we're able to hit the mark. Do, do you collaborate or receive any support from you know the tech companies, the hardware companies, the Googles, the, the Amazons and people like that? Or do you just... Is it over to you to understand what's what's happening in those places and keep up? Largely, it's up to us. To, look, I do my best. I, I manage SeniorNet right throughout New Zealand. I pay regular visits to all our learning centres. I do presentations for them. I'm always on the lookout daily for new things that are happening in, in the tech world that will be of relevance to to seniors. 
and uh, it left largely up to ourselves. Look, we've got another good partner in the form of the retailer, Noel Leeming. They're great. They can only do a certain amount. We don't have any direct links into uh, the technology uh, world, such as Google. We we do anything. We do like any other person. We're fully uh, committed to browsing all what they're doing all the time and, and try to shape the new courses and the new things uh, to fit the environment that we operate in. So no, we're left up to ourselves, really. So so the mention of Noel Lemming's interesting because one of one of the um, you know right at the beginning of the technology chain is choosing and buying your your computer or your mobile phone or your tablet or whatever. Generally speaking, most of the, the people who sell these to us uh, tend to be, you know, young guys, uh, whether it's at Noble Leeming or PB Tech or wherever. Is, is, there, a, is there a problem there with, with the, the match between, the, you know, your, your constituency who are buying this stuff and the people who are selling it? Hi, uh, there is a mismatch. Um, there is great enthusiasm in the retail world to sell devices and products, uh, and, and that's fine. You can't uh, deny that of them. Uh, but one of the big reasons why people continue to come to SeniorNet and stay with us for many, many years is that we are their insurance. And bef- often before a person in, that, uh, old, in the older category in the 60s and 70s go out to make their purchases and they belong to SeniorNet, they talk to their buddies and they say, well, what, what's that device you've got? Well, what's the new one I should begin? Tell me about the difference between Apple and Android. What, what do you think I should do? These discussions take place within the SeniorNet Learning Centre and, and that's probably one of the most valuable things for SeniorNet. We're impartial. We can op- offer free advice, friendly advice, without sort of uh, a salesperson standing over you. So the the peer peer support side of things is really valuable. Hey, I'm talking to Grant Sidaway from SeniorNet, back right after this break. Navigating the digital landscape. Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis speaking to Grant Sidaway, who is the National Coordinator for SeniorNet. Grant... You, you could argue, and, and I have met uh, older people who are in this boat, that, uh, you know, why should we have to pick up this technology? Why can't we just, you know, use what we've always had, watch the tally, use our, you know, typewriters, let's say, and, and, and telephones and, uh, and just carry on like that uh, for the rest of our lives? But that's not really practical, is it? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's not practical. Uh, look, you, you don't have to do much in this world. You, all that you need is a roof over your head, a bit of warmth, uh, some food, and you're fine. You don't have to have a motor mower. You don't have to have a motor car. You don't have to participate in the technology age uh, unless you want to. But the problem is uh, you become isolated. And I think that's one of the biggest things that for older people to really understand the technology age it gives them the capability to connect and participate with others in society not just uh, their friends next door not just the family in Auckland but everyone around the world and the and the phrase that I've used over the years is simply that participating in society look I met with Tracy Martin the Minister of Seniors a few times and I'm basically badging her to try and get her to help fund uh, SeniorNet because we could do a lot more with government funding and a bit more help in that direction. 
I strongly believe it's the government's responsibility to be able to help in that area. But during that discussion, I said to her, look, the older we get, the more technology becomes useful to us. Technology is wasted on youth. And I, and I firmly believe that. Well, going going down that government track a, a little further, I mean, the the traffic has been one way over the last 20 years in government and in business banking in particular uh, to moving these services online. You know, the, the you, you lose count of the number of uh, small towns that no longer have a post office or a, or a bank or, or any government representation. We're expected to do these things online. So I guess there's an obligation... Uh, from government to, you know, give people the skills to engage, right? Well, I, I believe that. Uh, look, no one's looking for a gift or no purpose. Uh, but I believe the, the right sort of financial model for conducting something like SeniorNet is one-third should be funded by government because they have a responsibility to ensure senior citizens are not left behind with technology. One-third, in my view, should be funded by uh, commercial suppliers of products and services because it's in their best interest for them to know, uh, to have seniors uh, skilled to be able to use their products. And one-third funded by the people themselves that go to the learning centres. And I think that is a beautiful mix and, and, and a correct mix. Never been able to achieve it. And uh, for some time, we did get some government funding but they shifted their priorities in the adult community education sector, uh, which pretty much denied access for older citizens. They shifted their priorities into disadvantaged adults under 25 Maori and Pacifica. So, so, so what, what, sort of, what sort of numbers are we talking about? How, how many millions of dollars would it take to make a dent in this, give, to give you that one-third? Uh, not millions. It's probably something in the order of three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars per annum. Good grief, and Tracy! Tracy Martin, Tracy Martin. If you're, I know you're listening. I know you're listening. Uh, three hundred thousand dollars, for goodness sake! Hundreds of thousands of dollars would, would would make the difference here, which is really not much. How many people are you connecting with through these seventy um, learning centres, Grant? Uh, it varies throughout the course of the year. Some people, although not often, use it a bit like a school and just come and do a few things and then go away again. Most people stay on because of the reasons I suggested before about the community aspect of it and getting good advice. Look, we've got ranging between twelve to 15,000 people that go to our learning centres. Look, if you add that up and you look at universities and polytechnics, we're probably the largest... Uh, purpose-built technology training facility in the country, which is ridiculous when you think about it. When, when, when you look at it that way. Well, one of the things that you do, which interests me quite a lot, other than just the how do I use this laptop and how do I use this app sort of stuff, is teaching people about the risks and how to manage the risks of uh, living their lives online. And, and there's a, a news story every other week about how older people are more susceptible to online scams and other dangers. Tell me about your work in that area. Oh, yes, this is probably one of the more serious parts and most valuable parts of SeniorNet is to help untangle that. We work with organisations such as CERT New Zealand, who are the cyber security people, and we've got a good relationship with them in, in terms of uh, them spotting early 
uh, warnings uh, and being able to broadcast that out to our, our senior net people. It is a concern. I mean, even basic scams become quite a worry uh, for older people and maybe they are more vulnerable than others. Actually, when you think about it, maybe they're not because we've been through a lifetime of potential scams, not necessarily in a technology world, but in just general sorts of day-to-day -day things. So we're probably a little more cautious in many ways than younger generations of the population. But having said that, we put a lot of effort into our, through our learning centres to make sure that the people that go to SeniorNet are, are fully aware of the dangers and, and possibilities that exist. Of course, that, that, that caution could be one of the barriers that's, you know, stopping people from, uh, from using, uh, you know, the online tools as much as they could and getting as much out of them as they could, right? Oh, yes, I, I think that's a, that's a fair statement. It's probably one of the reasons why in an internet banking environment that a lot of people in this age group would say, oh, no, I've heard of terrible things, you can lose all your money sort of thing which is not in any way, shape or form correct because the banks guaranteed transactions on an internet banking environment. So the work that we're doing with Westpac there, not just for people who have signed up with SeniorNet, but also the wider community as well, becomes a pretty valuable thing. Looking to the future, now, you know, I know you said that um, most of your participants, are, you know, in the 60s and 70s, but you know, uh, your your mission statement says you, you're looking at 50 plus. I mean, I'm 51 and I don't see myself turning up to SeniorNet anytime soon. Is the need for this service going to die out as, as every 40-year-old, every 50-year-old, every 60-year-old and then every 70-year-old grew up with the internet, grew up with technology, it just becomes part of what we do? Or do you think there'll be an ongoing need for this? Oh, look, you might be right. Uh, look, my mind goes back to when we opened our first learning centre uh, in Wellington and we had a bit of a ceremony and a cut, cake cutting ceremony in the things. And I wish I took note of this chap. He came up to me and he said, well, this is a good thing you've started here, lad. I was a lad back those days. Yep. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, it's good. I think, I think it might be really useful. He said, but it's not going to last. It'll only last five years because we'll know everything by then. <laughs> well... Technology's got a strange thing of changing every five minutes of the day. And whilst you at the age of 51 now might feel pretty comfortable with what you're doing, you might find in a few years' time that new things come along, particularly when you get out of the working environment mm -hmm. and other challenges are presented in the, in, the, in the technology world. I don't know what they're going to be, those challenges, but there will be significant changes with day-to-day uh, -day technology. Take the one thing that's, that's about to happen next year that will present a lot of problems to people and we will help out in SeniorNet with this. The, the announcement was made a couple of weeks ago that uh, Sky Television will not be broadcasting Rugby World Cup because they lost out on the broadcast auction and it would be an internet service provider largely in conjunction with TV uh, One and that people will, will have to uh, view this streaming on uh, their laptops or computers. But how do you connect that to your flat screen TV? 
that will be an issue for a lot of people, not just seniors, but a heck of a lot of people so that they can actually enjoy the game rather than looking at it on a, on a small screen. Those are the sorts of challenges that we can help people out with. If, if for no other reason there's a uh, good motivation to connect with senior, of course, the, the number one way to keep up with what's happening in the world of technology is to keep listening to this radio show. But um, how do people get in touch with SeniorNet, Grant? Oh, look, we're, we're online, seniornet.co.nz, and all our learning centres are listed there, and you can make direct contact with them. I wish we could afford an 0800, a nationwide 0800 number, but it's part of our cost saving because we haven't got the ability to fund that. Uh, contact your local citizens advice bureaus if you can't get online and look at seniornet.co.nz and we're pretty well known in the communities around New Zealand anyway. Hey Grant, sit away from SeniorNet. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thank you. And you can listen back to that whole entire interview at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday Social, that'll be up on the uh, website in minutes, in minutes, I expect. Uh, or, of course, as a podcast on iTunes. Got some texts coming through, 3920 keyword live is the way to do that. More than one listener pointing out that 217, and this is show number 217 for Sunday Social, is in fact not a prime number. You think, Looking at it, you sort of go, oh, yeah, it looks like a prime. But no, 31 times 7. 31 times 7, if anyone remembers their 31 times tables, uh, that's 217. And Pat from Lower Hutt texts in to say, Senior Net, don't tell me about Senior Net. They give a discount for married couples and that's unfair to single older people, she says. Well, that's an interesting point. Hey, after the break, Piyush Chandra joins us for the apps, websites and technical wizardry you just can't do without. Back soon. The Internet Explained. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Hey, welcome back to the show with you here on Radio Live right through till 8 o'clock when the weekend variety wireless kicks off. Well, the Sunday edition does. Piyush Chandra, PC, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Vaughan. Thanks for having me. How's your technical week been, your technological week? They're all technological weeks with you, aren't they? They sure are. Well, this week's been um, lots and lots of fun. I was helping my son with his science experiment. Uh, oh, and, I know. Uh, no, don't tell me. You got a whole lot of plasticine. You got some <laughs> baking soda and vinegar, and you made a volcano. I wish we had done that. That would have been so much easier. No, he decided to do an experiment on how light influences the growth of bacteria. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. That's interesting, though. But, but no, let's, we're not going to talk about that one. Because what it did do, though, was get me into an electronics store after a very long time. And so while I was helping him buy the LED lights for his experiment... I you bought something of your own, but I just want to say, you know, they, they say that sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yes, they do. But actually, sunlight is dishwashing liquid. It's not disinfectant at all. No. <laughs> So that's just that's just fake news. It is fake news. That's fake news. So you found yourself in an electronics store, which once upon a time would have been Dick Smith, and older listeners might even remember David Reed, which was the uh, the homegrown uh, predecessor to Dick Smith. That's which, right. which, which electronics retailer were you in? I found myself in J Car, and a, and a big shout out to the guys in Newmarket. They did a great job. Um, and, but what they what happened was I saw a Raspberry Pi. No, stop right there, PC. <laughs> I thought you said you're in an electronics shop, not a bakery. No. So a Raspberry Pi is basically a com 
a little mini computer which can run a basic operating system inside it and you plug it up to your TV and you can connect USB devices to it. So, so when you say a little mini computer, how little, how many? So little in the sense that if you've got a large matchbox box, yep. that's as big as it gets. Wow. So people use these things to make media servers, to make baby monitors, to make all kinds of things that you know aren't available uh, commercially. Um, and I got to just playing with it because you know, we, there's so much talk about artificial intelligence out there, and uh, the nice people at IBM have written a little library that lets you run their artificial and connect to their artificial intelligence engine mm -hmm. using the Raspberry Pi. So I thought, hey, let's give that a go and see what it lets us do. So you're going to use the world's cheapest computer, because these things are about 50 bucks, right? It's about 85. 85. They've, they've done, gone yeah. up since I, I had a school project involving one. Um, $85. You're going to use the world's smallest, cheapest computer yeah. to connect to the biggest, most powerful. To the biggest, most powerful supercomputer, which has a quantum computer attached to it. Awesome. For a cost of 15 cents to do what? an hour. To do what? Well... Right now, I'm not really certain. I just want to talk to it and see what it says. Yeah. But, but we'll get there, you know. We'll get there. Um, but, but the first thing that I did with it um, was really... Uh, I, I just plugged it into our home network because I just wanted to understand if I could use it to monitor what was happening on our home network because we've recently bought a whole bunch of smart applications like a smart TV. Uh, and I'm curious, how does the smart TV know which shows to put front and center on the home screen and how does the smart TV kind of work with my YouTube account to make sure that all the recommended videos are, are the ones that I want to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what I learned was that these smart applications are incredibly gossipy. What does that mean? They like talking to other smart applications on the network. They like to know who's around. They like to talk back to their mothership and say, hey, we're right now we're watching YouTube. So um, essentially you, you're sitting there happily, happily watching cat videos while your TV is talking to your computer and your computer is talking to your doorbell and your doorbell is talking to your light bulbs. Pretty much. That's, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I'm going to say it's great because, you know, I, I want, I, gimme, 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 I want all the benefits of this uh, brave new connected world uh, and I, I fully accept, although, you know, some of the uh, senior net folk that we were talking about before, they might not accept it, uh, I fully accept that to, to get the stuff, um, there's going to be some stuff behind the scenes, of, you know, around my behaviour. Yeah. Some conversation. That's right, there will be and... and um, <laughs> Basically, what, uh, what these products are really doing is they're really telling product owners a lot about how people are actually using Wait, their... but when you, when you say product owners, you don't mean you and me. No. No, you don't mean... In that sense, you, you, no. mean, you mean Google and you mean yeah. you know, Nest and, and people like that. Google, Nest, LG, Samsung, you know, all these guys that are trying to make applications and, and devices that will be better for us are using these devices to learn how we're actually using them. So you okay with that? I'm not sure, to be fair. I'm not sure. Uh, I, Come on. I got a little nervous because, like, what if, my, what if all my viewing history suddenly becomes uh, available to the guys at Samsung and they decide to make, a, I don't know what, but, you know. Do you know what? You're not that important. No, And, and neither not. am I. And the guys at Samsung don't care about us. So, you know, if, if I were Prime Minister, I might think differently. Or if I were the CEO of a large company, right. I might think differently. But, hey, it's just Vaughan and PC. 
Right. Well, that's kind of interesting. But say you have political aspirations, Vaughn, and mm -hmm. in a decade's time you Well, become... people are always always bugging me to run. <laughs> maybe they're, to, like you maybe to they're run. bugging me to run away. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, five years from now, you perchance become a councillor or a member of parliament, uh -huh. and someone has access to all that information about your usage over uh, 10 and, years. And they go, hey, 12 years ago, 12 you years looked ago. Exactly. at this video. Exactly. And we can't exactly. even play this video on the radio. That's how grotty this video is. <laughs> yeah, okay, good point. Good point. But, well, you know, here's the other thing, though. In, in, in 12 years, you know, when, when, when I'm finally, finally talked into, you know, running for parliament, um, I think we the public will accept and understand that all the stuff is known about us and we all have secrets and the, and the potency, the power of dirty little secrets will be somewhat diminished. You know, providing the secrets are just, you know, I, I watch this video that you'd normally be embarrassed about or, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, I think the important thing though is that is that we should have a conversation about the ethics of the data collection that's happening and and have some say as consumers over what's, what's happening. And well, that's happening, that's happening. Yeah, exactly. It's happening, right? So we've got the uh, European Union that put in place the data protection uh, laws that came into force uh, a couple of weeks the ago. The GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. That's yep. the one. And uh, a number of American website publishers were caught out by this thing because um, they had to either turn off all the tracking or... Uh, get, a lot, get a lot of permission. Get a lot of permission, right? Yep. So what did they do? They just created a version of their website that had no tracking on it. And you know what happened? The, the time it takes to load a page dropped from something like 24 seconds to 3 seconds. Wow. So most of the computer work that happens when you're visiting some of these websites is just the stuff that's collecting information. It's collecting not the stuff that's delivering the website. That's well, right. that's kind of interesting. Hey, one, one app that... Uh, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder, you know, if by using it, I'm I'm giving away. Uh, I, you know, I'm basically planting a tracking device on myself. Uh, Apple Maps or Google Maps or you know yeah. all of the mapping things. Um, interestingly, uh, I'm sure we've all got stories like this, but uh, this is this is a bit of a howler. Um, Apple Maps certainly, uh, as it was reported earlier this week, is showing Wellington's Transmission Gully, which is a, a road that goes from. Um, somewhere near um, QE2 Park, north of Paikakariki, through to the Hutt Valley. Right. Um, it's two years away from being open. Apple Maps is showing it as, there it is, go for it, <laughs> drive on up that hill. That's right. I mean, they've, they've had a few of those, um, those loogies um, as well in the past. Um, but actually, speak, speaking of, of having things tracking you and, and mapping you, I, when I was contracting, uh, had to keep a logbook. I, of I used car. to be contracting. I'm expanding now. I, I was contracting, but now I'm expanding. <laughs> um, and so you had to keep a logbook to track your, your, your usage of the car. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a thing called Google Timeline inside Google Maps, and it essentially just remembers every single trip that you took. So you can download this file. Whether or not you're using Google Maps? Whether or not you're using Google Maps. Good grief. And so <laughs> it keeps a log for you, and you can essentially just download it using Excel. Just go, hey, how many times did I go to this location? Bang, that's my logbook. Done. So, you know... Pros and cons. So the the, um, the surveillance state that we all uh, worried about in the 60s, 70s and 80s is actually right here, right now, and it's opt-in, and we've all opted in. And we've we're, all opted we in. Are, we are surveilling ourselves. Hey, after the break, the uh, the apps, websites, and other interesting stuff you just cannot do without back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis.
And welcome back to Radio Live Sunday Social. Ten minutes to eight. Getting ready for the weekend. Variety Wireless here. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through to then. And with me here in the heart of the news hub, Piyush Chandra, PC. How you doing? Good, thanks, Vaughan. Uh, I mean, you were doing pretty well before the ad, so there's no reason. There's no reason why that might change, is there? No, there isn't. Um, browsers. Yes. Boring old browsers. What was the first browser you ever used? Well, uh, this probably shows my age. Um, Lynx, which was a text-based web oh, browser. Oh, get out. <laughs> this is some game of digital one-upmanship. I thought you were going to say something like Netscape Navigator. I was going to go, mm -hmm. well, I, I got to Netscape Navigator. Mm -hmm. I remember those good. days. And then, and then there was Ask Jeeves, and then there was AltaVista. Those were the search engines. Oh, the, oh the, the, those are the search engines. Those are the search yeah, engines, I'm getting my, brow I'm browsers my browsers. I'm getting yeah, yeah, okay, so I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting my browsers and, yeah. my, and my search engines mixed up. So there's Netscape Navigator, then there was Internet Explorer. That was that yeah. was sort of cool for a while. That's right. And then along came the coolest browser of all, Firefox. That's right. Mm, didn't we love Firefox? Firefox was fantastic. It, it was, was fantastic for about, about five years, and then along came Google Chrome, and it was like Firefox had never happened. It was like the dog we got for Christmas... And we left at the side of the road, little dog fox. That's right, because uh, they um, they took the underlying Firefox engine, they adapted it, they moved it along, they sped it up, they made it use modern computing capabilities, and basically made it very easy for people to use. So, but now you're saying, now you're saying, after all these years with uh, Google Chrome, yeah, we should go back to Firefox. Yes. Tell me why. So. A year ago, I started to notice that my battery was getting drained on my phone. Really, I knew it. Really oh, on your phone. I, I was going to say you're a robot. Um, no, you're on your phone. Not a robot. On your phone. Not, 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 not a robot. Not a robot. Not a robot. No, so, so I noticed that my, my battery was getting used up a lot, and, and after a little bit of research, being the little data nerd that I am, I yep. figured out that it was because all of these web trackers and these mobile apps, uh, sorry, mobile websites, were essentially chewing up so much battery. So I looked for a a browser that didn't have that, uh, that had a privacy feature in it that blocked all of those trackers. Yeah, because as we were saying before the break, it's it's got to the point where the aspects of websites that are connecting, uh, correcting, <laughs> collecting, <laughs> collecting, correcting, connecting um, information about you are actually taking up more computing resource than the website That's right, by a factor itself. of about seven or eight. You Ridiculous. Know, so. Yeah, it is. So, so I downloaded this this Firefox mobile app, and it was touted as new. Uh, and I was told that it was going to render really quickly, so make pages appear really, really quickly. And one of the main things that it does is it blocks all those trackers. So your right to privacy is maintained. And the the funny thing is, once I started using Firefox as my default browser to read news websites, my battery didn't get drained so quickly. So I got like an extra hour and a half. That is an absolutely <laughs> brilliant tip. So to do this, this is for your phone we're talking about. We'll yeah. talk about the Firefox desktop browser in a moment. So go to your Apple App Store or go to your Google Play Store, search Firefox browser, yep. download it, and then instead of searching stuff in your, you know, opening your, your Google, straight, you know, straight to Google, straight to Google um, Chrome, yeah. Chrome yeah. Uh, or Safari, <coughs> same thing. Or even Safari, use Firefox. Easy peasy. And the same applies to the desktop. So um, the desktop browser has been relaunched. Same thing. Battery life, not so important. But no. faster page loads and better... 
protection of your behaviour, your online um, footprints, and in particular, can stop Facebook from uh, knowing what you're up to. Correct. It's, it's really well designed around that Facebook proposition. They've really taken care of your privacy there. Very, very cool. Hey, um, keeping, keeping sort of in the uh, app, sphere for a moment and, and sort of uh, mobile to desktop. This really excited me this week. <laughs> um, yeah, you're laughing at me because I've got an Android phone now and it's a very good phone, thank you PC. No, um, I love the phone. Huawei P20 Pro. Yeah. Um, but one thing that the Android world never had that the Apple world has had for about the last uh, five years? Longer than that. But exaggerating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is integration between your text messengers and your des desktop. So if yeah. you've got a friend with an Apple Mac and an iPhone, you'll you'll see that if you send them a text, it'll pop up in a little little um, you know icon on their desktop, and they can yeah. send and receive texts from their laptop, which is great. It's a it's a much needed feature. I mean, I um, well that, that that's what's happening on Apple, but Android has just launched the same thing. That's the have. news. What that's I was going to say. What I was going to say was because the Google Android Messages thing didn't have that feature. I had defaulted to WhatsApp because WhatsApp has that. Because desktop. of that, yeah, it does. Yeah. So now you don't need to. So your text messages from your Android phone, and don't forget, most people have Android phones. You know, us, us techie people all go towards the iPhones. Your text messages from your Android phones can now appear on your desktop in a browser. So go to Android Messages or just search Android Messages Desktop. It'll tell you all about it. You'll be up and running in about uh, in about two minutes, which I think is very cool. It's a great feature. I just turned it on this morning. Look at that. <laughs> hey, this now this what this next one's a great feature. Um, I'm guessing uh, you never had a part-time job in a tape measure factory. No, I didn't. But I did for my for my sins work on construction sites. So I, I do have. You some, know all about the tape measure. I you have know some familiarity with it. Yeah. Well, forget about it because ta <laughs> tape measure is a bit of a pain. They're, they're quite the the big industrial ones. Quite heavy. They're heavy. And they're unreliable, they get kinked. Yeah, they get kinked. If they get pulled too fast, you get a cut. Not fun. They're dangerous things. <laughs> so Apple has killed the tape measure. Uh, what they've done is announced, but they haven't brought it out. They've announced uh, a new app, which is one of their core iPhone apps. It's called Measure. It just looks at things through the camera yep. and through magic, <laughs> magic, Works out how big they are. I'm guessing it uses a combination of um, you know lens focus information and sort of your movement in 3D space because you can't just look at a 2D picture. You've got to move around the, the scene so, to get a feel so for it. So Google um, developed this technology about three years ago and I believe is part of the Google Lens feature. Certainly the Pixel can do a bit of this right now but yep. not very accurate. Um, it, it, it relies on exactly what you said, depth of field and the and that movement la space. lateral movement to figure out yeah. you know but so it needs three three cameras i think so two to two to figure out where things are and a third to give it a calibration oh luckily i've got three cameras <laughs> um and it work, you know i've only seen demos of it because it doesn't exist yet but it, it will do really soon and you're just looking at it and it starts uh you know drawing dimension lines on things in space you know picture frames uh, doorways uh bookshelves the kind of things that you want to measure all the time yeah um and and right there appears the dimensions i'm guessing you can save it and down to the mitre 10 you go and say i'll have you know this right, much paint or, or this size door or, or um if you're ikea basically now that we know the space that we have to fill 
here's lots and lots of ideas for your room. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. When you can just stand... So there are already lots of apps that will map out your room, but they're all a bit laborious. Yes. This one, you just sort of walk around your room and go, ding, 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 there's the corners. And Ikea says, you know what? You need this Falknest, this, this Falknest couch. <laughs> I don't know what Falknest means. Hey, have you, have you ever... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you two more things before we go. The, yep. the, uh, I downloaded this... this um, ruler app for android a few weeks ago and, and it is my worst app ever have i told you about this you did yeah yeah it is literally just a picture of a ruler that appears on the screen so you just use your phone as a ruler so um the the new the new uh apple app measure is uh is really at least a good step forward it really is a very <laughs> very good step forward but um, speaking of nilquist or whatever it is there's a um there's a website somewhere called Ikea or Death. And what it is, no, seriously, what it is, it gives exactly. you pairs of names. One of them is a piece of Ikea furniture and one of them is a death metal band. And you, <laughs> and you have to work out which one is which. And that, that PC is my idea of an online good time. Hey, thank you so much, Grant Sidaway from Senior Net, Pius Chandra, welcome. As always, Yasmin Sullivan, hey, I'm going to let you know a secret. This is her first night driving the show. Next up... Is Graham with the Weekend Variety Wireless? I'm Vaughn Davis. Nighty night. <laughs>